0: Hey, what's going on? This is the Saturday Down South podcast. I am Conor Oncara. Will, uh, we survived quite the drive up north from Indianapolis to Chicago. You can't really see the background right now. So I'm just going to instead redo the forecast of what is currently hey. happening in the place that I am at. And by the way, I'm, I'm at my mom's house. She lives in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago. So this isn't Canada. Okay. Keep that in mind. Deer Park, nine degrees. It is heavy snow. I have literally never seen this on my iPhone fall that fast, the snow that's happening. But wait, there's more. It basically started snowing like right, like a last half hour of our drive. So like not bad at all. Didn't have to, mm-hmm. we, we planned ahead. We moved our plans. We were originally supposed to be coming up on Friday. We decided to come up on Thursday. The wind chill right now is minus eight. So that's bad. It's going to get like minus 20, I think. Windchill minus thirty, but that's not as bad as the place where I used to live, Grand Island, Nebraska. Well, when I woke up this morning, it was minus fourteen in Grand Island, Nebraska, and the windchill was, wait for it, minus forty-two.
1: You know, I, Honor, I wasn't even aware that thermostats. I, I wasn't even aware that thermostats could go down that low. I'm going to be right? honest. I'm shocked and appalled that I'm not even. You know, I'm I don't even know how it I'm a big boy. I like layering. I would be I would just be curled up into a little ball if I had to do with that.
0: I have no idea what that temperature even feels like. I cannot speak from experience. I am just glad to be in a nice, warm house. I hope everybody is in a nice, warm house, enjoying the holiday weekend. If you are traveling, if you're listening to this while traveling, do, lot, do not let the sound of my voice distract you from driving. It's cold everywhere. I know it's cold across the Southeast this weekend. I mean, it is gnarly, gnarly weather. It's unbelievable, but just thankful that... To not be out there and all of that. And I cannot emphasize that enough. The amount of snow that is just just dropping from the sky. Heavy snow is probably an understatement right now. It's bananas.
1: We have uh, traded, I guess, locales because I am now in Ocala, Florida, um, the, uh, as we call it. Horse capital of the world, very cool yes. place. Um, a day to remember is from here, uh, the, the band. So, having a great time with Brittany's family. We're doing the old split the holidays thing. We decided to figure it out and grow up and actually split the holidays as opposed to just like handshaking it. So, big step for us, but I'm having a great time so far in my holiday experience. I'm glad you got there safe, man.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. And, you t- and to you as well, the splitting the holidays thing, if you can do it every year, more power to you, it's Hard. It's really hard. A lot of moving pieces. How much time mm-hmm. do we spend here? How much time do we spend there? Are we get, you know, do we celebrate Christmas early here? Do we celebrate Christmas late there? It's just messy. It's so much easier if your parents, just you know, or your in-laws or whatever, live within like a half hour of wherever you are. But for so many people, that is not the case. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we we did the, the same thing as well, It's just splitting the holiday up and and doing it that way. We we do a football talk about actual football today. Okay. Lots of stuff. Early signing period. Got some takeaways from that. Uh, Technically, we're still in the midst of it as of this recording, which we're recording this uh, late Thursday afternoon. We have, of course a lot to talk about with these new quarterbacks in the SEC. Very interesting. Graham Mertz to Florida, Devin Leary to Kentucky. I want to dig into that. Um, Ari Wasserman, our good friend at the athletic is going to join us in a little bit, talk about recruiting, talk a little bit about life as an Ohio state fan and how disgruntled Buckeye fans have become these days and how they're kind of living in this weird purgatory. And then we'll close with some bold and brash SEC bowl season. So before we dig into everything, well, I had the unfortunate, task of opening my mom's fridge when I got here because we're hungry. We want lunch. She's like, I got some chicken ready to go. I've got fixings for sandwiches, the whole deal, everything. But she didn't have Texas Pete. And I'm not going to say I'm going to knock her a full star on her Yelp review, but it's in the the thought process. If I give her a five-star review, it will be mentioned in it. It has to be the Airbnb, Yelp, whatever you want to call it. I think that's got to be factored into it for me. If, if i had walked in these doors and seen some texas pete i would have been like all right
1: we're good nothing, nothing Connor, i'm just imagining you imagine imagining you passed out in the snow and there's one of those saint bernard's with a little keg around it it's a it's, uh, collar and it just has texas pete in it and you're yep. just like oh thank you just trudging through the snow to bring your texas pete that's what they need is dog delivery in the snow
0: it is oh man that would that would elevate things a ton yeah my my mother-in-law was giving us a blanket for the road uh you know like a little little igniter thing and then a candle as well like give give us some texas pete as well just in case you never know what we're gonna run into we're gonna hold bars, Mm -hmm. the whole works we got everything in case you didn't know texas pete has a spice and flavor that's kicking this football season up a notch if you haven't tried the original hot sauce or the new traditional barbecue sauce run don't walk grab yourself a bottle today visit texas for recipes and hot apparel plus take 20 percent off your entire order with promo code saturday down south there's all caps all one word saturday down south win big with texas pete when you sauce like you mean it all right well let's talk some early signing period not over officially as of yet. So I'm just going to assume that Alabama still going to hold on to that number one spot. And I am old enough to remember when Saban's best recruiting days were behind him. I am old enough to remember when this NIL thing was going to be the death of his recruiting. Apparently mm-hmm. not the case, not so much. You get the longtime Iowa commit, Caden Proctor, the five-star offensive tackle who's in-state guy we'll talk about that a little bit with ari but um apparently was just one of those inevitable things shades of ross Piercebacher back in the day stud Mm o-line recruit who's committed to iowa and then alabama just like swoops in steals him and then everybody in iowa is just like oh yep best of luck kid if that was in the (laughs) sec mutiny but i was just so nice that they're just like oh yeah i guess this is the way that works some cookies for the road son stay warm yeah, stay, um, you know, actually, you know, what, make sure you bring enough shorts down there. It's, it's awfully warm yeah. in Tuscaloosa in the summer. We don't want you to get cold, young fella, or we don't want you to get too warm, overheat or anything like that. But yeah, so like stuff like that happens and Bama racks up what, three, five stars on, on Wednesday alone and get the two in-state mm-hmm. five-star kids as well. And, you know, I tweeted out how funny it would have been. If Saban had gotten called out by another coach for buying his top-ranked class, what irony that would be. Just incredible. <laughs> Just think about this. Will. I'd love to know the list of guys who would actually be willing to do that, who looked at Saban's class, who looked at these five stars that he's getting on Wednesday and would have actually been willing to step up in front of live airwaves and say, Nick Saban bought his class. The list is small. It's definitely starting with Pat Narduzzi.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I love how he had like that half quote about just like, oh, college football is getting bad or whatever. And I would do Jimbo had a quote like recently about this that went viral. It's like, bro. Okay, of course. Yeah, Jimbo, of course, has dominated himself as the NIL police, which is incredible because that's literally not being mean. All he has going for it right now. That so, look, bizarre. Pat Narduzzi, at least Pat Narduzzi is like, you can kind of spin him as an old school football coach. It's like the times are changing. With Jimbo, it's like, come on, bro, the times yeah. are changing. They're only helping you, big dog.
0: Seriously, yeah. But everybody remembers the way that things were a year ago. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about this. It's like, you know, when Narduzzi goes on radio and and says stuff like this, do do these coaches not realize how dumb they sound when you're shaking your head at Drake May getting offered five million dollars by multiple schools and, and but like we're not naming which which schools were were doing that. Like if you're gonna take a shot like that. Actually, finish the deal. Like, just just name the schools. Who cares? At that point, you're already showing your how disgruntled you are. Let's at least make this a legitimate. Like, we're not just going to speculate wildly about who's doing this. No, no, no. Just like come out and, and say it. I was actually kind of thinking about who would be willing to pay five million dollars for probably one year of Drake May. I don't know that that list is that long, but yeah, maybe maybe Alabama, maybe
1: Tennessee. I don't know. Maybe. He did something with Matt Canada not too long ago where he was like, "Yeah, you know, I had this OC that got big money to go to like you know a power conference job, and then the coach got fired. But I'm not gonna name any names." Yeah, and I was like, "Okay, man, I wonder who that could be." So yeah, who? somebody needs to press there, But They're like, "Yeah, you know, school whose uh, colors are red, and uh, he's just gonna give really bad t- hints until we like Mad Limit together." Narduzzi's just—he's
0: wild. He's—he's he's a little bit off the rails for me, in my opinion, at this point. If your entire stance is nil is just the worst, as you're watching all of these late flips and whatnot, I'd question if it's really that different, right? We've mm-hmm. seen wild recruitments before, and it's not that we're—it's not that we're—we're we're so unfamiliar with that. It's that we're unfamiliar with how official it is to hear a coach, to hear an athletic director brag about their collective. I mean, that's. Yep. That's normal now. Let's all let's all accept it. It might frustrate you. You can talk about yes, these are the days of old, but that that's we're not going back to that. We've made too much money in other places for this world to exist in which recruits aren't going to be getting serious collective money. Like that is just that's reality for so many of these programs. And I know seeing all these fans who are frustrated to have a recruit stolen at the last minute, it's like, all right, man, it's it's kind of get your stuff together or just get out of the way. That's the way that life, wor- that life works now. The Kermani McLean thing, the way that that plays out, I don't know. Weird in that it happened to somebody who was the number two overall recruit, I guess, mm-hmm. but was it that atypical for signing day to hear a kid announce at the very last minute, oh, I'm actually not going to be signing with Miami. and. I, I think this is a, a reminder. We'll wait and see how that plays out. We don't know as of this recording what's what the, the lowdown is on, yet, on that yet, but we know that Colorado obviously was linked to that. I think On3 was reporting that, that Deion Sanders could be swooping in at the last minute, and it's like, okay, yeah, that would make total sense with the way the Travis Hunter thing went. But, mm-hmm. well, is this, is this that different than before? I, I think that's the thing that we want to know is that like – I'm not saying that all, everything was everything was exactly the same with guys getting the money that they were and it, we were able to talk about it in the, in the same sort of way. But just in terms of the drama surrounding some of these guys, I don't know. I, I'm just not of the belief that this is all of a sudden some record scratch moment in the history of
1: college football. Yeah, I mean, no, I totally agree. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it's like the people clutching their pearls that are like, Oh, now these big money teams can come in and, you know, drop off double bags full of cash to flip the recruits like, bro, this has been happening since like the 70s, since we realized how much money and power there was in college football. And at the same time, this is gonna sound like some copium, because obviously nobody can do anything about this, but at least kids are able to weigh their options and get the right deal. Like you talked about Travis Hunter, you know, kind of sitting back and being like, Oh, I'm gonna get my YouTube subscribers up, or Kermani being like, you know, I really Love like it. where the price is at. No, right, like exactly. It's like you know, some of these guys will get, you know, injured or just not really pan out. And this is the where they're gonna build their little nest egg for the rest of their life. And I, I think there's nothing wrong with that because at the end of the day, let's say you're Proctor and you, you know, it was 15 years ago and you know, Bamla swept in and, and did whatever. Well, now he has the option to weigh, okay, do I want to go to Ohio State? Do I want to go to Miami? Do I want to go to Alabama? Now those options are on the table versus truly having to pick between a sack of cash and where, you know, where you were committed and where you have the relationships. Now it's like, um, you know now now we've seen these these pitches, the packages they put together. It's like, okay, we have three sacks of cash. Here we have, you know, okay, and you can have this, and here you can have this, and here you can have this. And it's like, and whereas, like, like I said previously, it was like standard recruiting versus sack of cash. Now it's like, okay, now we're going to do what works for the kid. And because if you ever watch that SMU documentary, it's like, these kids were just choosing money because their families were in bad situations. They ended up in a place that didn't work for them. You know, they got injured, they got all this stuff, and it's like, well, at least give them the freedom to choose and not just be totally financially motivated. So spin zone, maybe they're Actually, less financially motivated now because they—it's all in the open, so they get the other stuff. Feels like it's what's swaying them. You see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And it, it is—is I guess we we are going to continue to talk about it differently. And, and IL is is certainly different. But for for somebody like Travis Hunter, I, I think this situation is. Extremely atypical, right? The with the way that this mm-hmm. has played out. Smartest man on signing day, in my opinion. Not even his signing day, but it kind of felt like it a year removed from mm-hmm. him making one of the biggest stunning late flips that we've ever seen in the history of the sport to go from Florida State to go to an FCS program in Jackson State and HBCU. And, you know, this is somebody who balls out in the celebration bowl, had a really good year for him, and he announces that he's gonna reveal his next his his next school once he hits a hundred thousand. Followers on, on YouTube. And like, by the way, he's got a legit YouTube channel. Have you checked it out? It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. I subscribed, I think. Um, I was interested. I was like, all right, yeah, be you're in there ready for stuff. the scoop,
1: ready for him to go live with the tweet written up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> breaking.
0: Okay. yeah, no, no, definitely not. But like, it's one of those things that you know it, it's it's smart to to understand. Everybody's on the internet. I'd love to be able to, you can call it grabbing attention, I guess, but seeing What you can get, and this is somebody who went to Jackson State, I don't care who you are, there's no way that Jackson State could have been paying more than than big time programs in college football. And you can say that he just wants attention, but I'm pretty sure the guy who drops a Florida State commitment to go to an HBCU shouldn't be the guy that we accuse of just wanting attention. If you ask me, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't really fall in that camp, but he ends up going to Colorado following Deion Sanders and to be expected. And so what you want to follow an all time great like Deion? You have that relationship with him. You're going to a power five school. Now you're going to have a chance to shine. Everybody knows who Travis Hunter is in this sport. And part of that is his doing and the way that he's gone about his business. And now that guy's going to have all eyes on him. And that's kind of what so many of these recruits want. And I know that sucks to hear as a fan. That sucks, right? Because Will's an LSU fan. If I told you that a guy was like, all right, yeah, I'm going to ball out. I'm going to do whatever I can for my specific school. And I'm going to build my career based on the places where I think I have the best relationships and the guys that I truly trust to be able to develop my talent. If you are that, instead of I'm going to this school because this is who I grew up rooting for. My dad went to this school. My mom went to this school. I grew up a fan of this team watching these specific games. I think you just have to kind of accept it at that point. There's nothing you can really do about that.
1: Yeah. There's still, can I talk about the uh, the West Virginia tweet? Did you see the West Virginia tweet? Oh, with the, the, the conception? (laughs) Okay, so I was gonna. you could have said no. Can I, can I talk about it? Fire away, Will. Okay, so there are still those, like, that's the thing. There are still those kids who are, like, tread and true. There was one kid who was going to West Virginia, and his dad played at West Virginia. And he tweeted, like, going back to the place you were conceived, you know, I met your mom here at the campus of West Virginia. It's like, Dad, why would you tweet that? That's the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it's in the public. It's not like I'm breaking any news here. But, yeah, I think it's, it's fascinating, right? And as, like, a marketer, like, it's very interesting to me because at the end of the day, you have, you know... Whenever like pure capitalism gets involved, obviously the upper class is going to be taken care of, right? And so you look at the Travis Hunters, you look at these guys that to your point, like Dylan Gabriel, you know, you go and you ball out at UCF and then you get an offer, you go to Oklahoma, you increase your, your stock. And now it's like, it's like trading, you know, day trading. It's like, okay, well, this guy came in, he was a three-star, stock is up, now we can go over here. Um, and, and I like guys, you know, getting their personal brands because it's making football better. And in a couple of years, you know, the NFL is going to have so much more to choose from in terms of quarterbacks. Guys that used to just sit behind somebody and work at enterprise, now they're going to have lots of film to get, you know, evaluated properly. That's really good. I think a couple of other things that are happening that could be good or bad, depending on where you sit is, you know, the portal is wide open. And I think we have a lot of people and we're starting to see more and more that management and friend groups and parents are going to become so critical because the transfer portal is just chock full of dudes. And some of them thought they were Travis Hunter. Some of them got bad advice. Some of them were like, you know what? I'm going to get out of my FCS school and maybe I can get an offer for Iowa or whatever. And some of those offers never came. There's a guy named Sampa who has been in the transfer portal for LSU for over a year and just nobody wants him. And so, you know, sometimes like you just get stuck, but what what this does is it helps a lot of your mid to lower tier, lower tier teams as well for that reason, because Taking a high school recruit now is like a luxury because you can always get a guy that you know is a college football player out of the portal. So now you're starting to see more four-star guys go to these schools like UCF, go to these other places that they normally wouldn't go to because suddenly, you know, your LSUs, your Floridas don't really have space on the roster for these three-star guys.
0: Well, I hate to interrupt. Do you have a landline ringing in the background right now?
1: You know, it wouldn't shock me. Oh, that's incredible! But it's it's gone now. So yeah, I wonder how many people visited.
0: I wonder how many people. I wonder how many people listening to this own a landline. Do you think uh, over under ten percent?
1: Oh, I mean, yeah, I haven't heard that noise. The last time I heard, it, I heard it wasn't a say anything song. So really, it's it's a nice little <laughs> nostalgia. I can put the dial up tone in the background too, if you guys want to just get the whole plethora. i love it i absolutely love it that's that's the beauty of being
0: home for the holidays or with family and whatnot uh but yes Mm On Wednesday, NIL for sure dominated the discussion. Everyone who made a nice late push in the SEC, even like Auburn and AM, who these these teams that really rallied well, Arkansas rallied really well. South Carolina felt really good about their finish. Uh, they're they're still considered to be kind of in the right place with that. Maybe Arkansas is the one where you know people were kind of wondering like, is Sam Pittman a little bit too much of this like nice guy? He doesn't want to really want to play that game, but you still finish really, really strong with your respective classes. You know who else mm-hmm. was in the right place with nil? Will? <laughs>
1: Who's
0: that Dabo freaking Sweeney, <laughs> brother. Listen, I'll let you in. Intro- <laughs> if you haven't seen this, which you you have, if if you if you listen to podcasts, if you've been on the internet, I'm assuming you said you've seen this. But just in case you didn't, Dabo, during his signing day press conference, said, "quote We built this program on nil. We built this program." On God's Bro. image and name, image, and likeness. Regardless of what your faith is, I think Christians and non Christians can just all acknowledge on the Dabo scale of corniness, this was like, <clears throat> like a 9.2, 9.2. Well,
1: yeah, hard. I mean, it, it has all the elements of things that even, you know, Christians would kind of wince at because it's applying God's word to the world that just doesn't really fit. And it's like, it kills me because he has such youth pastor vibes. You know what I'm saying? She's like, hey, you know who's, uh, who's under sanctions? Pharaoh. Okay, I'll tell you something. It's like everything doesn't relate to football in Jesus. That's not that's not how it works. Like, I don't know. I was giving like a whole fake sermon in my whole in my group chat because it's like, bro, like sometimes life is just life. Like that's the thing. Sometimes life just is what's right in front of you, and you don't have to make up a corny excuse when you either don't have money, don't want to use money, whatever it is, but like you know, um, not to like derail this, but you know, as each day passes, I become more and more like bearish on oh, well, Dabbo's just gonna come in and pick right up where Saban left off. It's like, bro. His stock has just been plummeting since about 2019. Hold
0: on. Hold on. Dabo is adapting. He got a guy out of the portal. Um, If you didn't see this, Paul Tyson, aka the great grandson of a certain Bear Bryant, is transferring Mm -hmm. from Arizona State to Clemson. It is so funny to me to think that Dabo... The most resistant portal guy there is probably had some staffer say to him, because this is how this works. You've got staffers that handle the portal, that manage it, that do all that stuff. This staffer probably says, hey, Dabo, I got one that I think will tug at your Alabama heartstrings. It's Bear Bryant's great-grandson. Can we go sign him? Dabo says, yes, that's the type of bloodlines we can allow in our
1: program. Let's do it. That's, that's hey. what happened. One time I was in the transfer portal, right? transfer transfer portal of sin and god you know he pulled me right out of that portal son oh yeah i mean that in itself is such a great microcosm right it's like all these old heads being like this never happened in bear bryant's day it's like bro bear bryant's grandson now was what transferred twice yeah transferred to uh transferred from alabama to arizona state now arizona
0: state's Clemson right. getting the power five player. so yeah it's like
1: if you want if you want the direct source right there that's how these guys would be handling it all right it's not like he's sitting there going i've made a commitment my word is bond i'm staying at alabama
0: and by the way, Dabo's still on the outside of the top 10, I believe, of the 247 mm-hmm. sports ranking. So this belief that, okay, you can rely just on your high school recruiting and that's going to play better with these coaches and you're going to be able to still continue to get those elite recruits in that sort of way because that's how you're marketing it to high school coaches is I'm not going to go recruit the portal to have some guy come in and start over your guy that I'm recruiting out of high school. I don't mm-hmm. even think that's holding up that well. I really don't. And if, if for those who are doing that, I'm just like, you're hurting your team. You are hurting mm-hmm. your team. You can be miffed about the shadiness that goes on with it. But if you're sitting here today telling me that Trevor Lawrence didn't receive a single dime to go to Clemson as the number one overall recruit, get out of here. There's no way. So like this this holier than art thou, if that's your mindset, uh, to me, that's just a little bit ridiculous. Um, I, I prefer... I prefer the pettiness. Give me Lane. Give me Jimbo. By the way, certain Jimbo Fisher steals Lane's quarterback at the 11th hour, two days before the early signing period. Lane actually retweeted this kid announcing his flip to A&M. Only Lane. Only Lane could do that. Also, interesting, Lane's got one scholarship quarterback as of right now. Can we? uh, And that's a tough sell because Jackson Dart. I think we've been a little bit more down than high on Jackson Dart. That's fair to say. We've been pretty critical of him. He is in a place where, okay, if he's your returning starting quarterback, you feel all right. You shouldn't feel giddy, in my opinion. And if he goes down, because you're looking around, even Kincaid Dent did all the senior day stuff, I believe, with them. And Mm -hmm. Luke Altmaier hits the portal and <laughs> you didn't sign a you didn't sign a quarterback recruit in the last class but it was fine because you got Jackson Dart from USC so no big deal and i got kind of looking mm-hmm. around like man we're going to have to get really creative here i don't know what they're going to do they're probably going to have to try and get some guy out of the portal to be able to do it that way but i don't know what that market is when you know that Jackson Dart is there he still has multiple years of eligibility left and suddenly you're kind of like why why don't guys want to play quarterback for Lane Kiffin
1: it's weird i mean Showing kind of how he treated Jackson Dart, I could kind of see it. And, like, I would like to go back with Lane and just be like, hey, man, what did you see in Jackson Dart? Like, when you chose to recruit Jackson Dart to Ole Miss and pass on Luke Altmyer and let him enter the portal, basically, because he had the option, obviously, of starting Alt- Altmyer. And Dart, you know, played pretty well for, I'd say, the first, you know, a little bit of the season, first half, maybe a little bit over, probably, honestly, until the LSU game. There were viral moments before that, but his real weaknesses were exposed by that. But point being, it's like, I would just wonder what he liked to get out of that and what what he saw in Jackson Dart because that player is not fundamentally different. So I don't know. Yeah, and and it's always fascinating to me whenever guys are between two schools that are completely different. Like I either want to play for Lane Kiffin or Jimbo pitch. and like Bowen Bowen the safety had something similar he was between the obviously went to uh, Oklahoma as of now as of our recording you never know we'll, we'll have an update with
0: we'll have an update with Ari Wasserman well more of like a, a <laughs> uh, like a past update about it because that was recorded a couple of hours before we came on so we're gonna do a little bit of time traveling with that so just keep that in mind as you're listening to that part
1: Oh yeah. But Bowen was between Notre Dame and Oregon. And I was like, okay, so private Catholic school, middle of Indiana, or with one Jersey combination that thinks their green jerseys are uh, cursed, or you have public school in Oregon. (laughs) Like, How are you between these two lifestyles, big dog? (laughs)
0: Very different. It always
1: blows my mind. Yeah.
0: Yeah. uh, So it was, I I think there were a lot of interesting things from signing day itself. And I think if you're one of these programs who was on the outside with with these rankings and Ole Miss and even at Kentucky, you're telling yourself, we're going all in with the portal. We are. Mm-hmm. We absolutely are. Any other signing day takeaways before we talk about a certain portal quarterback that is Kentucky bound?
1: Um. No, yeah. I think it's just been a wild day overall. I think that... You know, like I said, the NIL stuff is always involved and it gets you in the conversations. But we're seeing that good recruiters are coming to the top. We're seeing that, you know, sometimes you'll have an AM or a Miami that's just out there, you know, throwing loafers and money. But most of the time, these kids are pretty smart, especially at the top. And they want to they want to do the right thing. And, and really quick, back to your Jackson Dart point, you know, uh, him as a dual threat was probably one of the like I joked about it a lot because, you know, he didn't have any touchdowns. But you need depth to have any type of a dual threat quarterback because if a guy gets hurt. You can't run him. Uh, So I think that's about to be a really fascinating situation. And it's super cool to watch these coaches kind of like tailor make their quarterback picks now. And you finally have guys that's like you used to have to wait two and three years to get your guy to – come up through the system, but now it's like, okay, you know, we have Jaden Daniels obviously coming back for LSU. And that's a guy that Brian Kelly was like, okay, boom, this is my guy. I'm basically starting him because he fits my scheme. So it's really cool to just watch. And we, you know, we saw it with Florida too, getting merch. So it's like you get to see guys remake their teams in an off season or two, at least on offense, like we've talked about. But it's just cool. It, it it's the throwing gasoline on the thing, I think, in a good way.
0: Let's talk about those new quarterbacks in the SEC. Devin Leary to Kentucky, Graham Mertz to Florida. Mm-hmm. Welcome to 2022 where in Kentucky was a more attractive opening for a quarterback than Florida. I'm sorry. That's going to upset some Florida fans. It's 100% true, and you can pretend it's not, but it absolutely is. I said for a month that Kentucky had a really, really nice sell because, in my Mm -hmm. opinion, Devin Leary was the best quarterback in the portal. It, and that's before we see how everything plays out, and there could be other additions. But as of right now, I thought Devin Leary was the best quarterback in the in the in the transfer portal, even better than Grayson McCall. And I think that if you were of the mindset of, oh well, you know, why does Kentucky have have a good sell? Like, who cares? Like, Will Levis just kind of had a down year. There are factors like who do I have to compete against at the power five level? There are certain guys who aren't going to power five schools because they just want to be able to start. I kind of <laughs> wonder a little bit if JT Daniels was in kind of that spot, go, him going to Rice, which that was like kind of like, oh my god, like that's how the mighty have fallen. And I hope I hope <laughs> the best for that kid. But I was I was talking about this with my brother. Some of these guys, yeah, they could they could still start at a power five school just because you go to a group of five school doesn't mean that you're bad and you are at group of five level. But guys want to be able to start. And Devin Leary <laughs> looked at that Kentucky quarterback room and said, oh god, yeah, I can start here. He also probably looked at the fact that yes, you're running a pro style offense. Say what you want. On about the McVay Shanahan concepts. We've talked about that a lot. No, Liam Conan is smart. I like him. He did good things. My doppelganger led Kentucky to its best offense in 14 years. He knows what he is doing. Right. Also attractive is the fact that Kentucky has these two young stud receivers, Barry and Brown, Dane Key. You have guys that you're <laughs> going to be able to throw to. They added Ray Davis, the Vandy running back out of the portal. Ray Davis was like fourth in the SEC in rushing last year, and we didn't yep. talk a whole lot about him. We were talking about Patrick Smith because his nickname was Cheeks. All right? We went a little <laughs> bit off the rails with Vandy running backs. I can admit that now. Ray Davis, mm-hmm. really nice addition. Obviously, lose Chris Rodriguez, but Devin Leary goes to a really favorable situation. And it was more attractive than Florida's. It was. And here's how you know. Okay. Here's here's just how you know. There is nobody, and I mean nobody, who would have looked at Devin Leary, who would have looked at Graham Mertz and said, give me Graham Mertz over Devin Leary. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I wish Graham Mertz all the success in the world. But Devin Leary was the, went into this season as the preseason ACC player of the year. This is somebody that has a 62 to what, 16 TD-INT ratio in his career. He had 35 touchdown passes, five interceptions in his last healthy season. He got hurt last year. The guy was playing with Tim Beck as his offensive coordinator. Lord knows what we think about that. Listen, was-
1: pause on that. Whatever you guys hear us going off on rants about random stuff like Tim Beck, it always ends up coming around, doesn't it? It's like the Jimmy Carter stuff. And and to your point about Tim Beck, I'm glad that you brought him up because you know the typical concerns about Kentucky, kind of what we saw this year, you know, O-line issues, maybe stagnant play calling, all this other stuff. He had all of that in a worse way in NC yeah. State. So it's not like he needs some dynamic OC to be good. If anything, Liam Cohen is, I think, better than Tim Beck. So he's like, sweet dude, sign me up.
0: And by the way, Liam Cohen might know a thing or two about coordinating with a trash offensive line because of what the Rams have dealt with, with just a rash (laughs) of injuries this past year. So I Mm -hmm. think that it's fair to say this was a more attractive situation. That doesn't necessarily mean that Devin Leary is more guaranteed for success, but it does mean that... Look, if you have a choice and if you're looking at, the, at your options and you're saying, all right, I'm going to definitely is going to be 24 years old in the second week of September. Okay. This isn't somebody who's going to pussyfoot trying to figure out what exactly he's trying to do with his life. He's going to a situation yeah. where he's saying, I need one year, give me one year and give me a chance to be a stud quarterback. He doesn't have all the NFL attributes that Will Levis does. He doesn't have the size. He doesn't have the durability. He's not going to run in the same sort of way, but he might actually be a better fit with what Kentucky wants to do with the way that they want to distribute beat the football i don't think he's going to hold on to the ball as long as will levis did it's a home run transfer portal edition there is no way around it if you're a kentucky fan Mm -hmm. after the the frustrating year that you had after the fact that you're looking up at this this recruiting class and you are like ah it's not really that great you got devin leary and that's really really good and you should feel encouraged about that florida okay when i tweeted this on what was it like yeah tweeted this wednesday morning i didn't mean to go from the top rope but it kind of just came out that way we talked about how it was pretty obvious. If you're Billy Napier, you got to get a quarterback out of the portal. You have to. You just have to, you you know, it, you can't assume that Jack Miller is going to be the guy. He's going to figure it out. It'd be nice if we lived in a world in which you can give a guy time. If you could say, ah, give him a full year, see what he can do. That's not the world of big time, competitive college football. And neither is this world in which Billy Napier is going to say to a true freshman, you're going to be my starter in December. Okay. That Mm -hmm. isn't the way this happens. I compared it to Florida in need of a big time transfer portal quarterback, like going to the grocery store, haven't eaten all day, and you're telling yourself, all right, I'm going to end up with a with a giant steak here, something like that, something really satisfying. And instead you panic and you go to the frozen food section and you grab yourself a hungry man dinner. That's what Graham Mertz to Florida feels like. It does. I say that as somebody who has watched a decent amount of Graham Mertz his struggles mm-hmm. at Wisconsin. I'm going to say the good things. I'm going to say the good things because I know there are good things that Florida fans look. And, and there are there are situations. If Grant Mertz were going to LSU, I'd be like, okay, that's favorable surroundings. You're getting a better offensive line. You're getting somebody that knows how to be able to score points in this league. You're getting a great group of receivers. Obviously, that wasn't realistic because Jaden Daniels coming back. We know that right. they still had Garrett Nussmeyer as well. I'm just saying in a hypothetical world, if that was the situation he was going to. But going to Florida, Going to a place where the receiving talent, Florida fans could admit this, it hasn't been there. It just hasn't mm-hmm. been there. Okay. And you're going to a place in which Billy Napier's system is not proven in the SEC yet. And it was frustrating to watch some of the decisions that were made with Anthony Richardson. Graham Mertz is somebody who has played in a system at Wisconsin in which, unless you're Mr. Dangerous himself, Russell Wilson, you probably haven't had a whole lot of success playing for Paul Crist. Okay. I'll be yeah. fair. I was one of those guys that was like, Wisconsin finally got a game changer. This is the Army. This is the US Army All-America Bowl MVP. This guy is a stud. He's going to be able to change what they do. They're going to add balance. Ironically enough, it would have been an interesting fit to see him with Phil Longo, who just left North Carolina to be able to go to Wisconsin. But obviously, what they were doing with Graham Mertz as a starting quarterback for three years was different. And I'm not high on Graham Mertz, and I'm not high on the situation that he's in because he got protection. He got protection. They had a ground game at Wisconsin. No, he didn't play with Jonathan Taylor. They still had a very good ground game at Wisconsin. And I get why he had a power five market and why he ended up at a place like Florida. I do. Mm -hmm. The hope for Florida is that you get Graham Mertz away from Wisconsin, away from the frozen tundra up there in Madison, Wisconsin. You bring him down to sunny Gainesville, Florida. You put him in a new system. You get some nice talent around him and you say, just go figure it out. Your hope is that he's going to be method they call it. <laughs> I love Madison. Madison's a great college town. When the weather doesn't suck there, it's beautiful. Lovely mm-hmm. place to be able to spend a college all Saturday. The hope is that Graham Mertz can be some version of Will Levis. That's their hope. Okay. And I mean like 2021 Will Levis. Okay. Right. Where he's a little bit mobile. He's a right guy who just needed an opportunity to get him away from whatever system he was in in the Big Ten. And I say whatever system he was in, knowing that I think James Franklin wildly misused Will Levis while he was there. And if you disagree with that, go back and watch that Nebraska game from 2020. It was really bad. But Graham Mertz, the hope is that maybe, maybe he maybe just had an issue with his development in 2020, which would have been year two for him as a starter. Very important year, or I guess year one as a starter, year two in college. And the hope is that he's going to come to Florida and he can be this bridge bridge the gap between what just left Anthony Richardson what's on the way Jaden Rashada your true freshman the guy that um had the Miami deal and then he didn't have the Miami deal and then he's going to Florida and it wasn't because of NIL that's your hope your hope is that he's Austin Appleby that's let's call it what it is Austin Appleby came from Purdue came from a Big 10 West program not the worst stopgap in the world all right Florida was able to kind of bridge the gap to Felipe Franks okay Mm-hmm. Not the most prominent offensive years, but nonetheless, that's kind of the hope that that's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but like, if you're Florida thinking that Graham Mertz is going to turn into an all SEC quarterback, I push back on that and say, what are you holding? What are you holding on to? that's, that's telling you that specifically? And have you watched some of the, some of the decisions that he's made because it does not look like he is a guy where the game has slowed down. And that's my biggest frustration. If you're at this place and the game hasn't slowed down for you playing in the Big Ten West, I don't know that it's going to
1: slow down for you playing in the SEC. I just don't. So my question for you is like, this is a sincere question. Uh, cause like I've talked about, I have lots of Florida fans like in my orbit because I went to college in Florida. Same. Like so I said, am in California right now. Like, are they done? Like, is this, this is the quarterback? Like they're not, cause some of they're them not, are like, okay. Might- great point, great point. They might not be done. They might not be done.
0: He's not going there to just be a backup. Okay. Right. Like, he's he's not going to, to a place like Florida to just be like, oh, yeah, I'm another guy. But that's if they don't add anybody else. If they add <laughs> another guy out of the portal, look at what Georgia did during 2020. They get Jamie Newman. And then they're like, oh, JT Daniels is available too. Eh, it's just at him.
1: Newman. Wow. There's name a name throwback.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I looked I I did a search on him the other day. He's playing in the CFL. He's making money playing football. Good Good for him. Good for him. But that's that's the question. Would they go out and get somebody else? I think if you are a Florida fan, you have to lower your expectations of what Graham Mertz was in 2019. Okay, If if you're thinking like that's the type of guy you're going to get and he was just so wildly misused in three years at Wisconsin, which I agree, the system, very bad for quarterbacks, totally get it. But if you're thinking that he's all of a sudden just going to come in and boom, just like that, be that stud that you've been looking for, be anywhere near Kyle Trask levels, I think that's a bit too optimistic. Look, I I, I really do. And I, I just disagree with the notion that... Napier just settled for this guy and he wants Rashada to be his day one quarterback. There really aren't that many true freshmen day one starters by design, mm-hmm. by design. That's the key caveat right right there, a la Bo Nix. He was a day one starter by design. Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. not a day one starter by design. Jake Fromm, not a day one starter by design. Even the great Trevor Lawrence, not a day one starter by design. These guys had situations where I, veterans got hurt. They didn't end up being as good as some some hoped that they would be. And ultimately, they gave way to those guys as true freshmen. And that's not my way of saying like Jaden Rashad can't succeed because he absolutely can. But if we're talking about Rashad as the most likely starter here in December, again, that's not good, especially and especially keep this in mind because Graham Merch just came from a place where defense is usually pretty good. Okay? Mm-hmm. If your defense, which has been horrendous the last three years, which we document documented the other day, um, that's not a great combination for a true freshman quarterback. Bo Nix was playing with dudes like Derek Brown up front. He's got Marlon Davidson up front. <laughs> they can take care of business for Bo Nix while I figure some things out running the Gus Malzahn offense, okay? This would be a little bit of a different situation. I don't know that Mertz will be the Austin Appleby that Florida fans hope. We will see. It's better than nothing. You had to get somebody. You knew that was the case. Maybe there was just this fear if you didn't get him that it wasn't going to happen. I don't know what fell through with the Grayson McCall situation. I don't have any sort of insight on that. Maybe I'll try. I'll be able to find out more About that, I would have been all over a Grace McCall move to Florida. But apparently, that wasn't in the cards. Graham Mertz is.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing, right? It's like I heard those rumors and I was like, oh, and then it all made sense. It was like, well, that's why like I talked about it with the collective, like not really going out there and spending. It's like, oh, they saved up all their money to go get McCall. This makes sense. And I saw the merch thing and I was like, because even when you say, like I'm like I said, I'm legit asking questions here because this just doesn't seem like a very Billy Napier move or a very Florida move. Because think about the sentence you just said out loud. They are bridging the gap between Anthony Richardson and Rashada with Graham Mertz. Like, let's say that you get new receivers in and they learn how to play with Graham Mertz. They're going to have to forget how to play that way. Because when you played with Anthony Richardson, a lot of your catches came off script. They came in scramble drills where he was, like, moving the pocket and, like, it it wasn't in phase. It wasn't in time. You were just hitting dudes who were doing the scramble drill. And Mertz is like you get him off script, dude, and the script becomes at like It becomes like a Michael Scott production. And so, when being like, I just, it seems like a very puzzling move if their plan is to just bring him in and start him. I think you're totally right, though. I would literally rather have him over Rashada as a guy that, to your point, you know, with LSU, uh, they had like the oldest starter in the SEC, uh, Miles Brennan, who obviously got hurt like week three of 2020, and they were just rotating through freshman after that, and it was really bad. And the jump off from him to any freshman was bad. And so, even though he wasn't great... And And so point being like you named all those guys, it's like by design, you don't want Rashad to start, especially early because you develop bad habits. Um, Shout out to our guy at Penn state. What was his name that we loved? Um, Oh, Christian Hackenberg. Yeah yes yeah great example like that dude came in exactly and he you know he was a victim of a circumstance and you don't want your quarterbacks to be hit and have to figure all this stuff out and develop bad tendencies so i get it but like it just doesn't even seem like his style of quarterback and there are dual tech quarterbacks out there still that i feel like would fit him a little bit better so i yeah like i said i just feel like another move is coming maybe And, and even then i mean they have two quarterbacks on the roster but but exactly to your point is like well, he's not going to be like a multi-year starter at Wisconsin, which is still like more or less a blue blood pro- blue blood program. I think that they've had kind of comparable success to Florida up some years, down some years, some you know New Year's. I Six wouldn't game. put
0: Wisconsin in, in, in the group of of of
1: Florida in terms of top end. In terms of top end success, to me, like I'm talking cause... about recent success. I'm talking about recent success. Wisconsin has yeah. consistently been as or more success. We're talking about back-to-back losing seasons for Florida. So, point being, like Wisconsin is a. In terms of what their fan expectations are, right where Florida is, is my point. I'm not talking about blue blood. I'm not talking about like long term. I'm talking about his time there. They were in some big games. And so, point being, like, you're not going to leave a place like that to go to a place like Florida, which to your point might even be a step up to not have some type of understanding that the coach at least likes you and give you some type of preferential truth. Like he's not worried about Jack Miller, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's why you bring him in. So it's like, why would you then bring that guy in to be a backup? If he's a three year starter, maybe something else comes in and then it's just like surprise. Now you're stuck here, Graham Mertz. But it just feels like a very puzzling move because you could get that type of guy from like an FCS school. And it's like, oh, you're a two or three year starter at the FCS level, but we'll bring you in and you have a chance to compete for the job and maybe we bring him a call. And if you lose a McCall, you lose a McCall, but you now you're at different facilities. Now you have different fans. Now you have a bigger following count. All that stuff doesn't really happen from Wisconsin to Florida. So I don't really like it feels like to your point, he's gonna be the starter based on what we know right now. And here's the problem when you have that guy
0: that's waiting everybody knows he's waiting and he's ready. Yeah, Or at least he's ready in the eye of of the public. And maybe some positive things are said about him in camp. And you see the occasional quote. Maybe you see him warming up. He comes in for some garbage time, something like that. The second Mertz falters, it's like, oh, you have to turn to this guy. And you have to turn to a true freshman. And that is not a great place to be. So I hope Florida's not done recruiting quarterbacks. I'll just come out and say it. I think if they if they were to recruit another quarterback in the spring, I think that would be perfectly fine, and we'll we'll have plenty to break down, and who knows? Maybe this will turn into an interesting quarterback battle, one that's very different than what we would have assumed at this time last year, how much turnover there has been in that quarterback room to be expected with an offensive-minded head coach to a certain extent. We'll see if Auburn experiences something pretty similar to that, but just one of those situations in which, man, I think Florida fans were hoping for much better than that. I really do.
1: One thing I will give Billy credit on and, and and we've been on this kind of from the beginning is that he is a consistent dude. He does not do the Dan Mullen thing of like i sure. starting with Nudie Richardson and and that's what we said from the beginning. He was going to be so perfect in dealing with his fan base because he has been so consistent the entire time. Like I said, he set expectations low in year one. He was correct. Like we can look back at it now. He didn't say, we're going to go out there and win a New Year's Bowl game. Grab your popcorn. He was like, all right, we're going to, this is going to be a build. And so it's better to have a coach like that when you have a fan base that's clamoring for Rashada because I feel like there's a nearly zero, unless he's like on the hot seat. Like if they open up 0 3 or something, it might change. But as long as they're within reasonable expectations, I don't think he can really be pressured into changing quarterbacks which I think for all parties involved is awesome because you don't want Rashada feeling like if he plays great in practice, he can take over Merch because we've seen that where a guy will shit, like shatter a guy's confidence. Cause he's like, I can win this job. I'm going to just humiliate him in practice. And then from Merch's standpoint, you don't want, you don't want him looking over his shoulder. So I'll give Billy credit that I think he actually probably will manage this quarterback s- uh, situation correctly, which will be much to the chagrin of fans because after a game or two, I think they play Utah again, fans are going to be like, no, get, get Rashada out there. Billy's yep. a bum. I'm going to go ahead and say right now, that's not what you need to do almost ever, because you're sacrificing to a point, you know, but Hackenberg and stuff, you're sacrificing this guy's sophomore, junior, potentially senior season at the cost of a couple of wins here in his freshman season. So even if, you know, they stink it up this year, you then have to have Rashada on schedule next year and approve it year versus like, what are we doing? Who are we starting this week? You know, I'm laughing because Hackenberg was a victim of James Franklin, not a victim of Bill O'Brien. And that's the nicest thing
0: I'll say about Bill O'Brien. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. All right, let's kick it to our friend Ari Wasserman. Before we do that, a quick word from our friends at Underdog. So we talk about this each and every podcast, sports betting, not legal in a bunch of SEC states like Georgia, Alabama, Florida, South Carolina, et cetera. I want to talk to about Underdog Fantasy. You might have tried Daily Fantasy in the past. Underdog is a new platform that's extremely popular right now. They have some awesome college football contests where you can compete for real money. Maybe you're sitting at home. It's crappy weather. You're watching bowl games. This is the thing that you should be doing. It's a great way to scratch that sports betting itch. We have an exclusive arrangement right now with Underdog. If you go to SaturdayDownSouth.com slash Underdog, you can automatically double your deposit when you join. Sign up, throw in 50 bucks, they'll throw in 50 more dollars. A great way to get some money to play on these contests. So for college football, you're like, all right, well, what are we going to do? Uh, it's Stetson Bennett, 250 passing yards against Ohio State over or under. Which one do I want to bet on? It's really simple. Very similar to uh, the the player props over unders that we talk about each and every preview pod. You can put real money on the line. Yes, this is legal and live in states like Alabama, Georgia, Florida, te- Texas, et cetera. All right, Monday Night Football. Let's look at some of these here. Tom Brady guy you might've heard of the Tom Brady at night thing. Um, that's real. That's real. I, I, that game was, I think it was Monday night football against the bears like three years ago when he he held up the, the four where he thought it was fourth down and it was already fourth down. That's burned in my brain. So we'll go with the under, uh, under 268 and a half passing yards for Tom Brady at Arizona. And then Will's favorite player, Mike Evans, let's go with, under 61 and a half receiving yards. He's not, he's not being guarded by Marshawn Lattimore, so that's good, but still. Yeah, you
1: know, he's one of the best tight ends in football. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Underdog is awesome. Super fun to do while you're watching college football or any other sport in your living room and you can win some real money. Go to SaturdayDownSouth.com Underdog and take advantage of our promo where Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. $100 absolutely free. SaturdayDownSouth.com Underdog. All right, let's kick it to Ari. All right. Now, excited to be joined by a very special guest is the athletics, Ari Wasserman. Ari, um, I owe very you a – Very special.
2: Fillet- I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> just just special,
0: I think. Uh, look, very <laughs> special guest. Uh, I know people in your mentions probably over the course of the last 48 hours have disagreed with that. You've had yeah. a lot of, of – uh, the, the Maybe 48 eight years, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I realize I owe you a filet of fish. I think I owe you two now, by the way. I still have not eaten a filet of fish yet. Um, yeah. It was, what, has been a year? Uh, it's like It was it was Arch Manning's commitment, I think, to Texas. So it's like might as well been a year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I owe you two. I'll get you back for it.
2: Yeah. I do a two for four deal. Sometimes you'll be in a good spot (laughs) (laughs) when and if you ever pay this bet
0: off. Exactly. I will eventually. Um, All right. So let's just dig right into it. Alabama is sitting there with number one class. They get all this five-star talent on Wednesday. Uh, I guess the Jaden Proctor thing, the way that that all went down on Tuesday. Give us some insight as to why something like that felt like such a foregone conclusion and why Iowa pretty much just threw its hands up in the air and was like, oh,
2: I guess he's just going to Alabama. Well, I think it's because the best thing that Iowa does, they're still not better than Alabama. You know, and that's just like it's a rough way to say it, but like there are certain situations where, you know, you've got Nick Saban on one side, you've got all the talent that Alabama has put into the NFL uh, on the offensive line on the other side. And I know that Tristan Wirfs went to, to Iowa, but um, it's just hard. It's a hard game out there, man. And uh, you got a five star player who's the, you know, one of the best players that's ever, uh, I think it's the highest rated player in Iowa history and and Alabama wants them and then Alabama gets them, you know, and you, you can make NIL excuses. You can make any excuse that you want, but, you know, and I'm sure we'll get into this discussion a little bit, but in, in 2022, man, it's, it's, you know, get it done or make excuses. And, you know, at, at a certain point, it's like Iowa can be upset and I'm sure they are, but at the same time too, it's understandable because teams like this just eat and everybody else gets the seconds.
0: It's it seems more clear than ever though in that way. It's like you mm-hmm. either have your money, you have your ducks in a row with your collective or you don't. And if you don't, then you just have to complain about it. And there's really there shouldn't be any other way to look at it. If you're one of these classes that's sitting there on the outside looking in, you're like, "All right, I guess we got to get our collective together because the teams that don't are the ones that are suffering right now."
2: Yeah, and the collective stuff is like, you know, true but also speculation because it's like how much money does Alabama have to actually pay a five-star offensive lineman to go there instead of Iowa, in order like like to make you feel like I know that Caden Proctor like wore Trist, Tristan Worf's uh, number in high school and he's from Iowa and grew up an Iowa fan. Um, But like if you like sit down at a table with Nick Saban and he lays all the draft numbers in front of you and it's just like you know to me that's money like you know it might be fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, whatever you know. I'm not saying that that's not important money to people. It certainly is, but like the NFL draft money is the real money. So you go to Alabama and it's like every single player that's ever signed with Nick Saban in the last 15 years or 10 years, there has won a national title. And a lot of them have been drafted and, you know, it's the best football culture in America. You know, it's a, uh, it's a hard sell. And it's like, you know, I know Oregon caught, caught a lot of flack for being in the NIL space and, you know, having a huge signing day on, on Wednesday, but you know, it's not, wasn't that long ago when Nick Saban was, you know, throwing shots at Jimbo Fisher, you know, about his collective. And, you know, people took that as a warning shot of, you know, both annoyance because Texas A&M signed 18 top 100 players last year, but also a notice to his own program to get their stuff together. So, you know, there's big time programs who are better at it than others. There are more people who, there are some programs who are paying upfront more than other programs are, but like, there's one thing I know for sure blindly, it's that Nick Saban's, uh, you know, ability to adapt. I think the number one trait that he has as a coach is constantly adapting the right way. Right. So, um, you know, there's a lot of people who might be mad at Alabama, but at a certain point, a monster is a monster. You know, I think that's fair, and
0: I think everybody wonders, okay, then, then what changed with Alabama? Why did it all of a sudden go from oh, this frustration about buying players to now Alabama's just right back to having the number one class? And it's it, it's it because he's be he's
2: calculated every single thing that that man says and does is is done for a reason. And, you know, that reason could have been, all right, Alabama fans, let's get this stuff together. We're not going to get outbought by people like he knows what the writing on the wall is. And like, he's the greatest coach who's ever coached, you know, and at a certain point, you got to understand that, like, Alabama just has the best overall package to sell. And that might be uh, NIL culture rings and NFL draft development. Like, if I were a five star prospect, I'd go to Alabama. Wouldn't you? Why would you go anywhere else? Like, why would anybody go anywhere else? Like, even if if you say Georgia or Ohio State, you know, geog- geography is part of it, um, you know, winning and, and doing things differently is a part of it. You know, if you go look at the top 100 players in the country, you got some UCLA in there, you got some Oklahoma, you got Clemson, Ohio. I mean, there's a lot of places that you can go. And if you're really, really good as a five-star prospect, I believe that you'll get drafted no matter where you go. But Alabama does it so routinely and five-star prospects miss at a lower rate there at just like such a slam dunk decision. It's a monster that is continuing to build and the dividends that get reinvested into the program continue to make it the best place to go.
0: In that same state, I think what Hugh Freeze did to be able to kind of oh, yeah. you know, put things together at the last minute, he gets a flip from Ohio State and the work that he had to do to make up for some of Brian Harson's shortcomings. Second to none, man. Like I think if you're an Auburn fan right now, you're sitting there feeling like, wow, like okay, our staff did exactly what we could have hoped for.
2: Yeah, I did a winners and losers thing today because that's what everybody who writes about recruiting does the day after it happens. Um, And Auburn was a winner because, you know, the fact of the matter is they had a coach there that didn't really seem to get recruiting at the right at the right level. And uh, Auburn signed the number 19 class overall, which isn't a great class for Auburn. But like, I think it went up like 40 spots in the last day. You know, they flipped the kid from Ohio State um they flipped a the kid from a top 100 player from Florida State in the state of Alabama. You know, they had a few five-star prospects in the state thinking twice. Like, you know, say what you want about Hugh Freeze, like that's a discussion that you know, you can have on on another podcast yeah. about his his past and and things that Auburn had to look past to hire him, but like they have a recruiting minded coach that understands exactly what it takes to beat Alabama and to Um, you know, play on a certain level, and it's a recruiting a caliber athlete that they weren't recruiting before, frankly. So, you know, Auburn didn't didn't assemble a class that's going to make you go, "Oh my God, look at this! They've got one top 100 player, but the amount of ground they made up in three weeks should be making you hopeful if you're an Auburn fan for what they can do in the 2024 cycle."
0: How should Florida fans be feeling? Because you get your quarterback, that's all well and good, but the the McLean whiff was something that obviously you know Billy Napier and the way that that whole thing has played out, like. That, that scene is, okay, how could you miss on a guy like that? And I think there are a lot of people wondering, okay, why do we have guys slip into UCF? And they were they had really high hopes for this first class. They're hoping it was going to be top five sitting there just like LSU was with Brian Kelly. So how should Florida fans be feeling after this first full cycle?
2: Yeah, I uh, the Cormonti McLean thing stings. And I think it's funny because now he didn't sign with Miami and you got that whole, uh, sh- you know, <laughs> I don't know how to, if I'm allowed to curse on this uh, on this podcast. Away. Yeah, shit, whatever that shit show is going on out there. Um, but Florida, if you, let like, go back and look at, at how they were recruiting before, you know, they had a solid class, but it wasn't a great one. No five-star prospects, but they did have four top 100 players and five or six, no, seven top 125 players It's a better class than they've signed in the past. And, you know, Jaden Rashada was a part of it, and that's a big-time get, you know, to go get a quarterback who's in the top 60 nationally. Um, you know, it's not quite what Alabama or, or Georgia are doing, but I do think that they took a step in the right direction because what Dan Mullen was assembling there wasn't quite – up to snuff so um you know the Graham mertz thing (laughs) he was so bad at wisconsin um but he also was a top 100 player and a fringe five-star prospect so you know maybe they see something in him that's like hey you know he went to wisconsin it's not necessarily the the mecca of quarterback development maybe he'll go to florida next year and and be much better you know and maybe Jaden rashada will play next year you don't know like um i wouldn't feel terrible if i were florida i think i'd feel encouraged that i'm i'm Kind of on the right direction, but of course you want to sign five star prospects of Florida, and they weren't able to do that. The
0: two programs outside of the Southeast region of the country, and in the Southeast region of the country, I'm going to include Miami in this as well. But the two programs outside of the Southeast region that really kind of made some waves: Colorado, obviously with Dion mm-hmm. and the Travis Hunter thing, and then the program that you wrote about, Oregon. What Dan Lanning did in his first cycle uh, to me, it's it's one of those things that I think everybody just says, "Oh, Phil Knight, Nike money, whatever," but it's not like that's new, you know what I mean? Like, so explain why that's, that's so different now with NIL and why all of a sudden it's like, Oh my, like what, what they're doing now at Oregon, this feels different. And the talent acquisition is at a different level than what it's been in any point in recent memory.
2: Yeah. Well, I I actually, if you go back and you look at Oregon's classes from the past, you know, four years or a few crystal ball classes that were rated higher. Um, But what I do think is different about this was the ruthlessness in which it was done in, in the finality of it. And, you know, the the thing about uh, Oregon's coach, Dan Lanning, is that he was on Georgia's staff. He knows exactly what it takes to win a playoff game or what your roster is supposed to look like. And frankly speaking, I don't know if he'd ever say this because he didn't want to throw his team under the bus, but he got the Oregon and he knew that it wasn't it. You don't think that that man knew going onto the field against Georgia four months ago in the season opener, what was going to happen? There's a certain point where you just kind of look at your roster and you look at the other roster and you just throw your hands in the air and go, well you know, today's the day I'm going to get my ass kicked and you know, that's uh uh Oregon is still a long way to go before they're anything close to resembling what a Georgia roster looks like, but they've done a tremendous job of being ruthless. You know, they lost five-star um quarterback Dante Moore to UCLA at the last second. And what do they do? They go flip another fringe top 100 quarterback who's been committed to Baylor for over a year. Like it was nothing, you know, and I just actually going to say this on your podcast because you're at the right place at the right time, I guess, but I just got word that Peyton Bowen, one of the players that they flipped from Notre Dame yesterday, isn't probably going to sign there. So there's more nope. drama happening, um, uh, more drama happening in that, in that sense. But, you know, if you're complaining about NIL in 2022, like you're just, you're just being a loser, man. Don't be a loser. It's part of the game. And um, I don't know if I said this on this show or one that I was on before, it, but um, you got to figure it out in 2022, you can complain and lose or figure it out and win. And that's what Oregon seems to have done. Everyone's mad they bought their class, they bought their class. So did everybody else, man. Like they they did it better than you and uh if you didn't do it as good then you're just going to lose. So, I'm very curious to see how um in two or three years once, you know, NIL becomes more and more mainstream and accepted part of the game, if other programs are going to be able to get their their troops together and their money mobilized enough to Know, even the playing field out a little bit, but you know, it does help that Oregon has a billionaire Nike heir or a Nike CEO and founder uh, on their side. And if that's how they're going to accumulate talent, then good for them because that's the way it's the, the world works now.
0: Do you think we can ever expect an, an A&M class like what we saw last year at, at AM? Do you think Jimbo yeah, will know, ever be man. able to repeat
2: that? I mean, if everybody thought it was all about money, where did the money go? You know, like that's the thing that's so the thing that frustrates me the most about NIL is that everybody is dogging Oregon for spending so much and buying their class two days after they lost on Moore. It's like, if money was the reason that they did this and what happened yesterday, <laughs> you know, and like A&M bought 18 top 100 players last year. And by the way, I'm going to say that again, because I don't think that people appreciate it. Eight, top 100 players last year I think 15 of which are still on the roster so hope's not gone and then all of a sudden ran out of money this year and couldn't sign anybody like there's more to it than just buying 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 there's so much inconsistency with this stuff it's insane to me um you know Miami is the the sponsored by life wallet and their best recruit isn't signing right now and might end up at Colorado it's like well where's the money you know like it's just all speculation and a lot of the figures are bull and um you know, it's kind of just what it's like to be in the college football sphere right now. But, you know, it's uh, I don't even remember what the question was. I was just rambling. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I do last, that year, sometimes. last year, uh you wrote about uh, uh Keontae Goodwin, the um, yep. Kentucky offensive lineman. I wonder how much we're going to see of this moving forward where you, you kind of documented like this was very down to the wire last minute, kind of on the phone, like figuring out what it's going to look like. And then a year later, he's in the portal and you're, kind yeah, of I was like,
2: actually with him that day. Uh, right, right. He was in the, he was in Dallas at that talkies event. And I, you know, after he went up to the stage and announced that he wasn't announcing, <laughs> uh, I went up to him. and was like, dude, what just happened up there? Like, I've never seen anything like that before. And he goes, man, I just don't know if I want to, where I want to go. You know, like you could tell, like he had no idea, you know, and you know, people will have again, the NIL discussion, but also too, it's just like, sometimes people just don't know and he didn't and he ended up signing with Kentucky and and here we are. Um I do think that the portal is going to give people a um an out if they go somewhere that they don't want to go or if they go somewhere that wasn't the fit that they thought it was going to be. I also think that the portal is affording people more of an opportunity to take risks in where they sign. So it's like, you know, I wouldn't worry so much about the depth chart. I would just go to Alabama or Ohio State or Georgia and see how I stack up and if i don't stack up then i can leave and start somewhere else in year 2 the place that i could have gone out of high school like i think that the portal is going to is going to change recruiting from that aspect and i do think that um you know people might go chase money for a year and then get back into the portal and go to a place they actually want to go to like it's a it, it is so crazy dude cuz like i wish i could sit here and talk to you for 45 minutes about it but there's been so much um evolution in the sport in the last two years i think there's been more evolution of the sport during that period than the previous 50 combined um and then we're all just kind of like got front row seats right now to figure out how this is all going to play you know like what's it going to look like in five years like i'd be a liar if i told you i knew you know
0: even Travis Hunter saying, I'm going to go on, you know, I'll, I'll release my commitment once I get a hundred thousand. Yeah. B- smart, y- dude. Like, it's really smart. Like, get those subscribers up. He's actually got a regular YouTube page that he, you know, contributes yeah. content to. And
2: I went and looked it up too. Do you, I went to, because I was curious. If you have a hundred thousand YouTube uh, subscribers to your channel, you can make $6,000 a month. That's pretty good. That's not bad. So like, you're, you're talking about 50 G's for, for what? Dancing on a YouTube video. I, I mean, and you know, that's all his own. Living. And that's his uh that's his like bonus money. Like that's not even his main income, you know? And that's just the start too. Like if he actually uh goes to Colorado and is awesome and produces content that people want to see, like that's Colorado's whole mantra. Like bring a camera into the room and let the world see it. You know, it's business savvy. And I and I have a lot of respect for people that that can use their name, image, and likeness to make as much money as possible. I, I wish I could get my YouTube Channel uh, up to a hundred thousand and make an extra six Gs a month. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'll take my shirt off a little bit more. I don't. I, I, don't, I don't know what I could do because the personality ain't cutting it, man. I'll tell you that.
0: tell yourself short when you yeah. drop a bomb like what you do on Tuesday night, saying a big time quarterback's going to be flipping, and then you yeah. just leave that there for the people to speculate. That's how you get the YouTube followers.
2: Yeah, yeah, I got the, I got some Twitter followers, but I also. uh you know, just dropped another one on Twitter just before this call. And I'm. it's not quite going as crazy, but, you know, people got mad at me for that. But like, I actually thought that Nova Sod was a pretty big flip. Yeah. I mean, he was the, you know, they said, this isn't big time. It's like, I watched this kid play. It's big time, dude. Like that kid's going to be awesome at Oregon. He's a, he's an elite level. He was awesome at the elite 11 and he is underrated. He's a top 10 quarterback in the country. And the fact that Oregon was just able to flip him, um, just like that was something I, I didn't see coming. So um yeah, we'll see where, where Peyton Bowen goes. I don't know when this podcast is running. Maybe you'll we'll have your answer tomorrow before yeah. people hear it. Oh, okay. I think people might know. So, you know, this is uh past us. Uh tweet at us if you're listening tomorrow. Be like, hey, Ari was right or <laughs> Ari's an asshole. Like, I don't know which one it's gonna be, but it seems like it's it's not gonna, you know trend the direction we thought it was yesterday and that's just another dramatic uh, instance of of recruiting in 2022.
0: Last one for you know you got to get going um you wrote about Ohio State the the all the that goes into being a fan of the buckeyes and how hellish oh, yeah. that that probably is. Kind of explain why. Got a
2: lot of eye rolls on that one too, pal. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, is, so much is that though, like the, the mindset of being an Ohio State fan, it just kind of sucks and you realize like winning can only take you so far, and when you're not winning championships, it's like you're just destined to they don't to care about beating all the
2: teams they beat on their schedule, and then they get mad when they don't win a national championship. So where does the joy come from? Like if you if you go through your entire life going, Well, we only beat Michigan State by 28, so this team blows, and then like, yeah. okay, like what are you like what are you waiting for? Like it's been eight years, almost nine years since they won the national championship. They're probably going to get their ass kicked by Georgia uh, in a few weeks. So like if this, if none of this is bringing you any joy and now you can add Michigan losses on top of it, it just like would be a miserable existence. So I was just trying to urge people to be like, hey, this hasn't been the best banner month for Ohio State football, but you know, we're in the playoff and we get to like, if you're from a, a fan mindset, you know, we get to play in the in the tournament that everybody wants to play, and maybe they'll surprise us and try to enjoy it for a month. And then, if they lose the Georgia by a hundred, then you can go back to Twitter and start complaining. But it's just like, I don't know if I were an Ohio State fan, like what would make me happy because you demand everything to be perfect all the time. And the fact of the matter is it's only perfect all the time in one place.
0: Yeah, Heisman Trophy on. quarterback. Yeah, that's yeah. that's about the only thing right now. Heisman Trophy quarterback and and get to a national championship to do those in the same
2: year is probably the only thing left for him. And that's yeah, good luck. Yeah. Or just I think they want to win a national championship. Like if they won the national title this year, like there still would be a portion of the fan base that'd be like, wow, this is amazing, but we lost to Michigan the year that <laughs> unless they somehow beat them on the way, like there's just there's always a caveat of why you should be unhappy. And I just you know, for a team that wins as much as they do and, and recruits the way that they do, even though I think their class was kind of, you know, so-so this year, yeah. um, you should be enjoying it a little bit in the last eight years. You know, I would think. I would think. You're but also, right. too, I understand there's people who root for teams that never win anything, and it just sucks. And I'm sure they would probably trade their fate for Ohio State's fate. They're just spoiled. I think Mississippi
0: State fans would probably trade for Ohio State. Just, yeah, you know,
2: yeah. Just, you know. Yeah. They, they like that. Yeah. They
0: be yeah. kind of it.
2: All right. I uh, really
0: appreciate the time, man. Uh looking forward to some more uh well, and I shouldn't say more, but some new shirtless YouTube videos from you.
2: Yeah, yeah. I got some hamburger meat. I'm ready to show off. So uh <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you, brother. Uh if, you know, keep in touch. We'll we'll we'll, we'll do this more often. Uh awesome. on a on a day that's not after signing day, I'm I'm all yours. Just just let me know, okay?
0: Bold and brash, let's do some bowl season predictions. We're going to save our bowl preview pod for next week. By the way, just a little housekeeping. We're going to record next Tuesday, and we're going to preview all the remaining bowl games. We'll recap the Mizzou game. So if you're wondering, where are your bowl predictions? Yes, we're we're waiting a little bit late by design because some of these opt-outs, some of the portal things, a lot of factors that are going into it. So we'll have a full bowl preview pod in which we'll do our usual over-unders picks all that stuff as well so you get a little bit more of our stuff later on let's start with drew page our guy drew page has something that's very near mm-hmm. and dear to my heart kentucky versus iowa the best worst bowl game ever kentucky kicks a late field goal to win six to five
1: <laughs> you gotta have a safety if this game doesn't have a safety we'd be disappointed
0: man if we don't we need weird numbers we need Shout out Jake Marsh. We need a score Gami in this one. It's begging for it. It absolutely is. I keep, I've checked the over under of this one, like three or four times since we found out that this game was going to be happening. And I keep wondering, is it going to get into the twenties? It's got to get into the twenties, right? But I think you can't do that just because if you get a strip sack or something like that, or Barry and Brown returns a kick for a touchdown or something like that, you're going to feel really dumb. And like, 1714 is all you need to hit the over i mean come on
1: is liam cohen like with the team now like no
0: college plays okay. no no so he's they can't officially talk about it yet like vince Morrow apparently had the uh, like something on ksr where he almost let it slip that mm-hmm. that cohen was indeed going to be their their new offensive coordinator but they they can't officially do it yet And something, a trend that I think we're going to see a little bit, we'll kind of wait and see with some of these places that have play calling vacancies is NFL guys who don't want to burn bridges. And the thought is you're going to finish out the season at wherever Mm -hmm. you are. If you're going from college to college, that's one thing. But going from NFL, wherein they still have a season, they are still playing games and then leaving in like week 13 to go take some college job is kind of seen as this, oh, you're not going to get Sean McVay as a reference moving forward. If you kind of do that. And then Which, get-
1: if you have a Sean McVay reference, you could be president as we learned. You could. <laughs> you really, absolutely could. As Michael Jordan said, the ceiling is the roof. If you have, if you were buddy, you get invited to Sean McVay's wedding. You might as well be top security. <laughs> yes, you you might as well.
0: Yeah. So I think that's, that's the case for, for a lot of these guys, but no, Liam will not be, not be calm plays. Uh, neither will Rich Gangarello. So I guess that's an automatic upgrade for Kentucky. If you're looking at it that way. So could be six to five. Uh let's go to this one from Josh Thiel. Josh says Kansas State will beat Bama. This game's gonna be great. It's gonna be awesome. I know we talked about it with Lad of the Week. I'm legitimately looking forward to this game. I booked my flight to Atlanta for I'll be at the Peach Bowl to make sure that it did not conflict with this game. Like I have have like a 6'10 flight out of Orlando or something that morning, (laughs) just so I could be in front of a TV and be able to, to watch this game. It's going to be great. I love the fact that Kansas State was playing super well down the stretch. They've got kind of this like, will Adrian Martinez play? Will he not sort of thing right now? And you've got Howard as your quarterback, and he's been playing really well. And Bama is a team that doesn't have opt-outs, and it's a bowl game that a lot of people will use to push their narrative that players should never sit out bowl games and blah, blah, blah. I, I just hope, above all else, I don't have a dog in the fight. But please God, don't let Bryce Young or Will Anderson get hurt in this game. Please don't. Mm-hmm. If they do, the takes that will come out from that. We saw it a little bit with the Matt Corral stuff last year. But for Bryce Young and Will Anderson, if that were to happen, mm-hmm. I, I roll my eyes just thinking about some of the some of the things that would be said, especially from the NFL people, the NFL draft circle people about playing in this game. And that would just that would suck. I hope that's not the takeaway. I hope we get really good football. And if Kansas State beats Bama in a game in which look, Bama's trying. There's no debate about it. They're they're trying. This is not a lack of motivation
1: mm-hmm. football game. That'd be quite the win for Kansas State. Quite the win. That would. You know what makes me sad? I, I like talked about this and finally verbalized it this season. Is like as SEC, like I guess supporter, I don't even know what you call this about the SEC in general, but SEC stockholders, I don't know, stakeholders, I mean, like We have to sometimes root against upsets for SEC teams because, you know, these like weirdos from the Big Ten are like, oh, SEC, it just means more. And I was just like imagining it's like if Kansas State beat Bama, I would laugh so hard because it would be so objectively funny. But then I would immediately be like, oh, no, now I got to go defend Alabama to people. And so like now I'm at this point where I'm just like, ah, like I can't even root for upsets anymore because these guys are such nerds. It's whack, dude. Think about this.
0: Well, and I don't know if if this has been considered, but and we'll wait and see how this plays out. College football imperialism has a chance to very much favor the SEC. The Pac-12 mm-hmm. champ, Utah, already lost to Florida. Yeah, they did. The Big 12 Sorry. champ, well, I should the ACC champ, Clemson, already lost to South Carolina. Mm-hmm. The Big 12 champ, Kansas State, playing Alabama. The Big 10 champ, Michigan. Maybe Michigan's gonna play Georgia in the national championship. Who knows? If that happens, what does Danny Connell do?
1: Does he just I mean, the the Georgia like carrying the SEC flag and just whooping Ohio State and then whooping Michigan for another daddy, I will never be put on the SEC hover jersey because it's like, oh, you guys are playing for what, eighth place? Because to your point, like South Carolina and Florida are not like tier one yeah. programs right now like it's not like they lost to georgia like oregon did it's like okay man
0: yeah they're, they're, so if the all the other power five champs have a loss to an sec team on their resume this year kind of a tough look for the whole sec is overrated thing just saying we'll wait and see if that plays out tbd on that but just put a pin and then in you have fsu by them. themselves just beating lsu in florida right? just carrying the flag for the acc <sighs> <sighs> that's a tough one. anyway Meanwhile, Florida State's like, yeah, we're we're just the best team in college football. Nobody can
1: do <laughs> Actually, that. we're gonna claim a national championship because we beat several SEC teams now. Florida State, ultimate good vibes team, Jordan Travis coming back. Honestly, that's the good vibes team right there. They got Jaheem Bell and Jordan Travis. Yeah, we yeah. weren't thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. Good one for for the
0: national conversation. We'll have a different. We'll we'll hand it out for the SEC. Uh let's go to this one from Grant Haney. Grant Grant was a little long winded. That's fine. I won't hit on you for being long-winded, Grant. My best prediction for bowl season is that Beamer Ball shows up in a big way with a pick six early in the game and a blocked Notre Dame punt for a touchdown late in the fourth quarter of the Gator Bowl to secure both the win for the Gamecocks in the bowl game and their status as two-time feel-good team of the year. That Ultimate good vibes team, feel-good team of the year. Two of the same. Similar. Very, very similar. I think I think he meant feel-good team of the year, but that's, that's fine. The boldest mm-hmm. prediction of the season is that Bama lines up Will Anderson at tailback in a goal line package and records a rushing touchdown vintage William refrigerator Perry for the Bears in the same building. Oh, I like that a lot. That's good. Mm-hmm. Later in the game Anderson lines up as an eligible receiver and Young hits him for a touchdown pass reminiscent of Jalen Hurts to DeRon Payne in 2017. I actually just rewatched that play last week. That man is large running the flat and he does this little toe tap thing to the pylon painted. (laughs) And I was thinking to myself, I don't think I have the body control to do that. And I am one half of that man. And he just little twinkle toes into the end zone. That game was a beat down, man. Like that was defensively, maybe the last kind of the last hurrah for for Alabama's defense and what they cuz like even afterwards 2018 they had some great defensive performances that year 2020 they obviously still have some good defensive performances but that was kind of the last time where you're like oh my god bama's defense <laughs> is just not fair this is stupid in, in a game of that magnitude right like you've seen it obviously in in spurts but yeah I, why did I, why was i watching so much of that game oh i'll tell you why i'll tell you why this is very random I was doing a comp to see if twenty twenty two Ohio State is twenty seventeen Bama, like the hmm. similarities, the differences. There are differences. Georgia fans, you're <laughs> not. There are differences. Go read that comp, SaturdayOnSouth right now. Well, there's and also
1: Georgia's better too. So hey, he was a failure, you know. Yeah, very true. Very. I true. mean this this version of Georgia and certainly last year's version of Georgia, I feel like probably beats that Alabama team. They just. Decided to be old Georgia for, for a half anyway. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to this one from Michael Dark. Michael says Florida will be the only SEC team to lose a bowl game this season. Um, So that means we've got some upsets. That means we've got uh, just a, a couple of upsets. I don't think that bowl season flexing is the best move but I would understand why SEC fans would flex if that happened. Okay, To me, the more impressive accomplishment would be the imperialism thing that I laid out before with every single other Power 5 champ losing one game to an SEC team this year. If that happens, SEC fans will be heard loud and clear. If the SEC has a one-loss bowl season, wherein Missouri beats Wake Forest, Kentucky beats Iowa, South Carolina beats Notre Dame, et cetera, et cetera, Tennessee beating Clemson would be, I think relatively impressive, relatively impressive given the circumstances of what they're dealing with offensively with Joe Milton, Bazooka Joe, at quarterback. (laughs) That is bold. I don't know that it would necessarily mean that the SEC was like so unbelievably dominant. If that, just that in itself, I don't think that that proves it this year because there aren't necessarily these totally lopsided matchups that I'm thinking about. Like what's the, who's the biggest SEC underdog during bowl season? I mean, I think we already saw it. I think we already saw it. Florida losing to Oregon State. So maybe, maybe which was
1: always like I hate to call anything a schedule loss, but that was basically a schedule. do you realize the original wasn't playing. It was like I said, you know, I said they do better than they would, But realistically, looking at that game as anything but a homer, you're like, yeah, that was a really good Oregon State team. It was. It, it really
0: was. Yeah. Everything else, you can kind of be like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm kind of talk myself into it. That's there's nothing that crazy about that. So I guess maybe that maybe that isn't that bold, but I do think that there's probably a little bit of an overvaluing of like what your bowl record is and how. You know that what that means for your conference and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go to this one. Sarthic. Nick Saban
1: just brings out a snow machine at halftime. we like, look, they said we couldn't play in the snow. I'd love it.
0: I'd absolutely love it. I am excited to see some of these games, though. The, 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 the quarterfinal games for the playoff on college campuses and seeing what mm-hmm. it looks like for these teams to travel up north. I, I think that's fascinating, and I don't you know, I don't have a narrative to push or anything like that. I just think it'd be really fun to see what it looks like with Alabama playing in conditions like what's around me right now, which is quote, heavy snow. Heavy snow. I cannot emphasize that enough. The heaviest of snow.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's go to this one. Totally right, morphing into skinny Santa Claus at the sideline with rosy cheeks and a little hat, just angry at the cold. I don't know if anyway. Saban's ever dressed up as Santa. I don't think he has. I don't think that's his look. Maybe. I could see him being a big Easter bunny guy. I could see him with the kids being like, hey, I'm the Easter bunny. Anyway. Yeah, maybe a little back in the day.
0: I could see that for sure. is yeah. definitely the biggest of Easter bunnies. For sure. No
1: doubt about it. Big yeah, I'll tell you something guy. Tell you something about some people who volunteered, all right? There are 12 of them. So. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, okay, sorry. What he said was that bad. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Mississippi State rallies under the Pirates flag and beats Illinois by two touchdowns. Mississippi State's not winning or is not losing that football game. I'm going to say that right now. I know we got a bowl preview pod. They're not losing that football game. Cole, mm-hmm. take me. That's fine. Illinois fans, you want to come out of the woodwork. Brett Bielema supporters, Brett Bielema stands. Rise.
1: Of which there are many.
0: Bielema apologists. Uh, Mississippi State not losing that football game. Okay, that's 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 one I'll, I'll give you. I agree with 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 Sarthik. I I think that could be a two touchdown victory for that team.
1: Are you still going to that one? Yes, I am. Quick turnaround. That's going to be super fun. I'm really uh, I'm really fired up for you to get to experience that. Super cool. I've actually never covered that bowl game, which is weird because I've lived. Believe it or not, I before. have. I oh, did yeah. that in 2017 with JC. Whatever's Dan Mullen's like seven and sixteen. They beat like. NC, there's some random team on like a blocked PAT. It was crazy. Oh gosh, yeah, that would. Oh yeah, that would have been twenty
0: seventeen. Was twenty seventeen? Oh, now I'm now I'm getting. I'm my brain is just going down the sorry the bowl rabbit hole here, and I'm thinking about all these different <laughs> cases. Um, let's go to this one from Andrew D G Acomo. He says with Purdue's best players opting out and several players that have already declared for the draft opting in and looking to improve their draft stock for LSU. The Bayou Bengals use the Citrus Bowl as a statement game to gain momentum into next season and finish year one under Brian Kelly with ten wins. LSU wins easily and runs it up fifty-one to six. But
1: Drew Brees is going to be on the sidelines, so every day I just feel like we're getting an inch closer to Drew Brees just taking a snap in that game because they lost their quarterback, they lost like their OC, their head coach. It's like. Who's going to end up calling plays for this team? Will it be Drew Brees? (laughs) How much did the line move when Drew Brees was announced as an interim analyst for this game? I'd love to know. Yeah, that was like, I hate to be, that was like their only good piece of news. And in typical Brian Kelly fashion, I'm sure this game will come completely down to the wire for no reason. Whenever Brian Kelly has been downed, it's like, oh, don't worry, you're getting the best Brian Kelly. Whenever Brian Kelly should just roll someone over like Arkansas a and it's like, buddy, get your popcorn because you're about to have a horrible day. <laughs>
0: what does one do to be an interim analyst? I'd love to know. If you I call don't Purdue
1: know. if you're Drew Brees and you say, Hey, give me a give me a pass, I'm coming by.
0: <laughs> but like, do you do you have in game? Because analysts typically you can't communicate like with, with players in game or anything like that. It's it's a it's yeah. a pre game scenario. Can't be an on field assistant. Do we have rules for interim
1: analysts? I don't know. Did I think they just what want if some they good just PR. like yeah, what if they just handed him like a little printout, like a kid? That's just like you can't talk to players. You can have one Coke as a treat. You can have a medium meal. Do not, don't pound the table. Like that's actually a really good point because it's not. Yeah, it's not like he will be on field. Does does he get credential? How does
0: this entire thing work? I have no idea. Is somebody gonna check Drew Brees at the gate and be like, "Sir, who are you?" And he's like, "I'm the guy that got struck by lightning on that big commercial. You might know me.
1: But you were, I thought you were goner, Drew. It's
0: good to see you, man." No, uh, Drew Brees is dead. Um, Drew, he's not actually alive. By the way, apologies if you hear background noise. We've got like eight different people. It's not quite a home alone scenario here um, at at uh, at my mom's house, but it's it's similar to that. We've got blending of families and and all that stuff. So there's there's chaos going on. If you hear background noise, it's not typical, and don't give us a one star review for that. Let's go to let's let's do two more here. Mitch Aldridge says Clemson beats Tennessee by double digits, South Carolina beats Notre Dame by three TDs. Clemson having Cade Klubnick in this game is fascinating. It's really interesting. I think that you have a chance if you're Dabo to kind of spin spin things forward after this was very much a disappointing bounce back attempt from you, if that makes sense you have a chance to be able to move on with your five-star true freshman quarterback that everybody's hoping is the next Trevor Lawrence. You have a chance to be able to spin it forward with him as the guy. And Clemson fans can just tell themselves, "Ah, oh, man, if only we had this guy, we would be 12-0 or 13-0 going to the playoff, even though they had a lot of other deficiencies and they really haven't been the same team at the line of scrimmage that they were during the Deshaun Watson, during the Trevor Lawrence eras. I still think that there's a really there's a, a great opportunity for Clemson to come out and, and just dominate Tennessee. I don't think they dominate Tennessee, but I do think that Tennessee is potentially looking at an uphill climb. I think that's fair to say. Double digits, yeah, wouldn't necessarily be that crazy. I think so much of that is rooted in my lack of
1: faith in Bazooka Joe. I need to become higher on Bazooka Joe. I do. It's more fun. I mean, really, it's it's. Is it who do you trust more on offense? Hypo with Bazooka Joe or whatever Clemson's got going on with a five star who probably knows a little bit more about what he's doing. That's the best matchup because if Hooker is playing in this game, it would be Tennessee by 20. You know what I'm saying? i don't probably think it'd be close. Yeah. But also, Clemson's defense is like better than Tennessee's. I want to be like clear about that. I'm not dumb, you Murphy but at the same time. Out, it's
0: like, you got Murphy opting out of this game. We'll kind of wait and yeah. see those opt outs and how that Like They're both going to be missing teams or missing guys on, on their teams. But I don't know. that To me, that's like, I don't know that you can sit here and pretend like like Clemson is just all of a sudden a juggernaut when they really weren't throughout this year by any stretch of the imagination.
1: Yeah, and shout out to your point about the NCAA rule change. Like, the NCAA, you know, we laugh at them a lot. but When they do something that does make sense, they, they, I will give them credit. Like, it was this time last year that LSU was starting a wide receiver quarterback in their bowl game. And it's like, bro, I was remember Googling Kevin Foxson's name because he was listed as a walk-on quarterback. I was like, who are we playing in this bowl game? That is literally a player safety issue. Like, no one actually cares about a bowl win, but if you end up playing some rando quarterback who, like, is not ready, then it's like, bro, you end up putting your line in jeopardy because they're, they're blocking for longer. Your receivers have to scramble drills that they're not used to doing. It's like – just let these guys play. It doesn't matter. So I'm glad that they actually took care of that. It's going to be good for football. Yeah.
0: So if if you don't know what, if you, if you miss what Will's referring to, by the way, if you usually, if it's, if you play, you have to play four games or less to be able to, to preserve your red shirt and bowl, like playing in a bowl game would count against that total. And they took that away. So if you're somebody that like last year, Garrett Nussmeyer had played in four regular season games. And he's like, I don't want to burn a red shirt by playing in the bowl game. Ergo, LSU starts a wide receiver or quarterback. You don't have to deal with those situations. I imagine, and if I just had any sort of inkling, I would suggest that bowl executives nip that one in the bud. They said, hey, NCAA, um, we're we're making way too much money off of these things to just have us have like teams trot out guys who shouldn't be playing football and we should probably Mm -hmm. give these, these guys, these scholarship players, a chance to actually play and not hold them out for a really stupid reason. That wouldn't make any sense to me. Let them preserve the red red shirt. Agree with you hundred percent. Very smart move. Let's end with one more here. Randall Houston says, Oh, he's got a lot. Mm. Kansas, Arkansas goes to double overtime. That's going to be a track meet. Oh my Mm. God. Bad rushing defenses in that one. Tough. Ball carriers to be able to stop in that too. Oh boy, it's the battle
1: for Kansas. Whoever loses is called Kansas, our Kansas or your Kansas. Something exactly if, if Arkansas wins, they're going to be called our Kansas. They have taken the Kansas title to the next play.
0: They will. Texas Tech Old Miss Lane Kiffin goes for three two point conversions just because. Yeah, that checks out. LSU <laughs> puts up 40 plus on Purdue. Yep, wild card. Tulane outright beats USC by two possessions. If you know what? I want, I'm on board with that. I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that. Do you think that Caleb Williams will have Tulane nail polish?
1: Does that feel like it's reaching? It's so whack, dude. It's so, so. Yeah, I mean, hey, the question is: the Tulane beat USC, or the best team of Louisiana? I hope we bring back that Tiger Rag there. The dates are getting the dates are getting full, and it makes me sad because, like, now you feel like with Tulane and Willie Fritz and those boys, it's like I would love to play Tulane right now. It'd be a good game.
0: Well, did you wince when you saw Tulane ranked ahead of LSU in the playoff rankings?
1: No, they've had a really good year, man. I got to give them credit for credit. I mean, LSU lost, you know, several games straight. So Tulane, when you win your conference, you know what I'm saying? They, had, they, they were last this good in 1998, another year I feel like Tulane pretty, pretty, would have comfortably beaten LSU. So, yeah, I, I've, always, I've always root for Louisiana. You know what I'm saying?
0: Always, always pro the boot that you are, <laughs> Will Ogburn. Um, like I said before, we are going to be recording next Tuesday pod will come out next wednesday we will preview all the rest of the sec bowls we will recap mizzou wake forest as well our friend gary Stokin, i believe is going to be joining us he'll talk a lot of things peach bowl we love gary he's a good dude looking forward <laughs> to being able to catch up with him if you have not leave us a five-star review subscribe to this podcast join the facebook group Hear your name red right on air with figuring out or bold and brash thanks guys talk soon